We pray that each one of us would be alert and listening and hungry, hungry for you, hungry for what you will have to say through her. Lord, build your people, grow our faith, bring us closer to you as we listen and learn and grow together this morning. Amen. Amen. Amen to that prayer. Brilliant. Just before we look at God's word together, really looking forward to this this morning, I just want to pause and pray as well, actually. So can we just pause and pray, just conscious about a couple of significant things in the headlines that it just feels important to us to bring to God. So I'll pray now and then we'll open up God's word together. Let's pray. thinking about the news this week about those 27 people headed for the UK who drowned near Calais after their boat sank. Three children among them and I'm sure your heart like mine it breaks when you hear news like that. And uh, Father we want to bring that situation to you and uh, pray this morning that you would draw close to all those who are mourning the loss of loved ones, friends, family members who fled for their lives and lost their lives. Lord, we do pray for your justice and your righteousness to be revealed in the locality there and in the nations. We think of all those people they represent who are making desperate, treacherous journeys, hoping to find safety and peace and hope. Lord, we pray that you would restrain those who have evil intentions Pray that you would change the hearts of governments. Pray that there would be an attitude of welcome rather than hostility to those in need. Jesus, you knew the life of the refugee. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. We don't just want to sing the carols and read the readings. Lord, we long for a restoration of biblical values of welcome and justice and hope in our nation again. I just pray too in the light of Boris Johnson's news conference last night, an ongoing worry about COVID and, and a new COVID variant. We pray particularly, Lord, for people who will now be more anxious and concerned in the light of that news. With tighter restrictions in the offing, we pray for protection again against this virus. Pray for leaders making decisions and for scientists and experts who are looking carefully at that variant and working on vaccine responses. Think of local schools here in the area, struggling with teacher absences, trying to make the best plans. Think of our local hospitals and GP practices with the ongoing pressures. Pray for us as a church in this season as we continue to navigate what this uh, next bit looks like. Give us your wisdom and guidance, we pray. Thank you for your promises that they are yes and amen. And one of your promises is that you always hear and answer our prayers. And so in your mercy, we add our amen. 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 Great. Well, it's lovely to be here. I'm really looking forward to beginning our new teaching series today. It's the first Sunday in Advent. Always feels slightly strange, doesn't it, when Advent starts at the end of November? But it does. And uh, we've got a new series to see us through until Christmas. Anybody got their tree up yet? I would normally... Um, I'd normally frown in a very sneering kind of way if anybody put their Christmas tree up in November, but it does feel a bit like anything goes at the moment, doesn't it? And if it makes you happier, I'm all over it. So that's absolutely fine, although we're doing ours next weekend. Um, 
So it's the first Sunday in Advent, and we're starting this new series. It's called Down to Earth, and we're going to be exploring it each Sunday leading up to Christmas and all over our Christmas services as well. And we'll be looking at themes like a down-to-earth gift, a down-to-earth arrival, a down-to-earth king, and today, to get us going, a down-to-earth promise. And we've chosen this theme because there's a a kind of double meaning here that can help us as we explore the Christmas story together. You can think about the phrase down to earth and take it at face value. Jesus came. He came himself as a man from the glory of heaven. He physically came down to earth and was born as a baby. But down to earth also has another meaning. It's an adjective to describe someone or something positively. You might talk about a down to earth person and they are humble perhaps, or straightforward. They're easy to talk to. They're not, not proud, not above themselves in any way. They're down to earth. You might appreciate down to earth advice, which is practical and sensible and real. When we think about the incarnation and uh, Jesus' birth, it, Jesus' birth, there's a, there's a gritty down to earthness about it. And we want to think this year about the fact that the nativity is not glitzy and shiny. It's not all Christmas card scenes with snows and robins. It's not perfect family scenes with presents and happy family time. Jesus was born among animals. He was born to a teenage mum. He was born at a time of unrest. He was born and a king wanted him killed. The incarnation is messy and gritty and real and raw and it speaks right into the season that we're in here in 2021 when things have been far from perfect and shiny. So my prayer is that we'll look at the nativity story afresh over the coming weeks and we will be helped by how down to earth it is. You'll see this um, advertising our carol services on the front page of our contact magazine that Andy's mentioned. Just to reiterate, if you could grab one lot with a road name and deliver it prayerfully in the next week and a half, that would really help us and uh, advertise some of our down to earth services too. So we're going to read the passage for today as we think about our down-to-earth promise. It's from Isaiah chapter 9. If you wanted to grab your Bibles, um, you can do. Um, We'll read it on the screen, but it's also helpful to follow sometimes, isn't it? It's a well-known Advent reading. You'll recognise some of the words and phrases, I'm sure. We may well be reading it at our own carol services here in a couple of weeks' time. Isaiah 9, verses 2 to 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I wonder if anybody has made you a promise recently. Promises are given by public figures sometimes, politicians and world leaders. 
COP26 has just finished and various promises were made. For example, more than 100 world leaders have promised to end and reverse deforestation by 2030. That was the Climate Summit's first major deal. Some promises were made in the dedication here this morning. How wonderful to be involved in the, the dedication of Amelia, Hope and Joshua. Dean Adrian, it felt to me like you were watching and seeing what your life is going to be like in 18 months' time. <laughs> the joy of children and the promises that we make to our children and that we as a wider church family make in offering our support. The thing with someone making us a promise is that they say it with all good intentions but we don't know until later whether the promise will be kept. If someone says, and I'm not talking about my household, of course, but if someone in my household said, you know, I promise you I'll hoover the house, it wouldn't be until later, and I got home and, you know, inspected the carpet, that I'd be able to tell whether that promise had been kept. When a company makes a promise or a pledge to, de to deliver your parcel in three to five working days... You don't know until the parcel actually arrives, if it does within the time frame, you can't be tell whether that promise is kept. This passage in Isaiah is a promise. It's one of the best known Old Testament messianic prophecies. It's a prophecy about the birth of Jesus. And it gives this picture of a royal saviour who will establish his kingdom. Isaiah prophesied for about 40 years. The task of all the Old Testament prophets was to speak God's word to the people of Israel, which was often warnings and encouragements to be faithful to God. And in the chapter surrounding our passage here, Isaiah warns the people about the coming exile and he promises their return. And here in Isaiah 9, he points to the coming of the Messiah, the expected and longed for Messiah. But we need to remember that passages like these weren't just prophecies about Jesus. They actually had a more immediate interpretation as well. One helpful thing to remember when you're reading the prophets, and in particular when you're reading about the prophecies of Jesus, is that there are two layers of meaning. Do you remember these magic eye pictures? I don't know if there's such a thing anymore. Um, there's a kind of series of coloured dots, and you look at them, and on face value, they're just like, like a swirl, a random pattern. But if you look at them in a certain way, or for long enough, you kind of can see through it to a 3D image. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yes. Um, I found them really difficult to do, actually. I had to kind of you know, scrunch my eyes up or take my content enters out or something in order to see the image behind the initial view. And the Old Testament prophecies are a little bit like that. On the surface, you kind of read and see what's immediately there, which is real and true. There's an initial view. But if you look carefully, you see past what's written to something longer term. You see a longer term view. These words that we've read are in the form of a hymn or a poem they would have been read or sung at the birth of any royal heir and sung again when that royal heir succeeded the throne. The immediate reading is about an earthly king. But then you can see past those words and see the coming Messiah prophesied. The people of Israel were waiting and waiting for the promise to be fulfilled. Would this be true? Would this promise actually come true? And they were right to wait. The people waited and waited. And the early church heard that promise and they saw it fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus came. The waiting for that promise to be fulfilled was over. The down-to-earth promise was fulfilled and true. And this is the essence of the Christmas story. It's a promise that's given hundreds of years before, fulfilled in the birth of a baby. 
And as we move through this season of Advent, we can remember again that God comes to those who wait in hope for him. I just want to make two points about this promise. And the first is that this down-to-earth promise gives meaning to our waiting. The wonderful thing about God's word that's living and alive for us is that the anticipation of Advent, the waiting and the expectation for the Messiah that the people of Israel experienced all those years ago, 2,000 years ago, can still have a powerful impact on us, even though we are 2,000 years on from the event and we know that the promise has been fulfilled. We get to live in the light of a promise that we know already that has been kept. Unlike the doubt that we have about whether an earthly promise might be kept for us, we know that the promise is fulfilled. And yet we can still have the same sense of anticipation of the king who's coming The prophecy is about waiting on a promise, about the waiting and the expectation of Jesus. I don't know what you're like about waiting, how patient you think you are. I'd love to be more patient. It's a virtue I wish that I had more of. And of course, patience depends largely on what it is that you're waiting for. Albert Einstein is quoted as saying, put your hand on a hot stove for a minute and it seems like an hour. Sit with a pretty girl for an hour And it seems like a minute. That's relativity. Waiting is relative, depending on the situation that you're being made to wait in. You may well be in a period of waiting right at this moment. There may be something that you are waiting and praying for that brings uncertainty and anxiety. Maybe your job is uncertain. You're waiting to find out if you've been made redundant. Or perhaps you've lost your job and nothing new has opened up yet. Maybe you're undergoing tests and are waiting for results. Maybe you're waiting for treatment or surgery. Maybe your relationship has failed. Things haven't worked out the way that you were expecting and hoping them to. You've got a dream, a secret hope that you are waiting on God for, longing for it, but so far, nothing. Sometimes, like the people of Israel, there is humanly nothing we can do, but we just have to wait for God to come. And in our waiting, there is hope in King Jesus, this story of hope that's weaved throughout his coming. We've been singing about it. The wait was a long one, but hope came. Biblical waiting isn't passive, though. It's not a kind of sitting back, passively hoping for the best. It's helped by this quote from John Ortberg about biblical waiting. Biblical waiting is not passive. It's not a way to evade unpleasant reality. Waiting on the Lord is a confident, disciplined, expectant, active, and sometimes painful clinging to God. Waiting on the Lord is the continual daily decision to say, I will trust you and I will obey you. Waiting is our destiny as creatures who cannot by themselves bring about what they hope for. We wait in the darkness for a flame we cannot light. We wait in fear for a happy ending we cannot write. We wait for a not yet that feels like a not ever. Waiting is the hardest work of hope. Waiting for God is active trust. It is making a daily decision to hope in God. And if you are here today and you are waiting, then be encouraged that the people have, of God have hope. We never wait in vain. God comes to those who wait. The Christmas story reminds us that this down-to-earth promise, this gritty, real, raw promise, 
gives meaning to our waiting. If you look over the verses, the seven verses we've read, you'll see that for the most part, they're written in the past tense, even though it's actually a prophecy about the future. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned. A nation has been enlarged. To us, a child is born. A son is given. He has already been given. The future is written as something which has already happened. And that's because the future is in God's hands. And so the prophet talks about it as if it's done and certain. Isaiah says to the people, look forward to it. It's certain that he has done it and so he will do it. And so that must mean that our future is also God's past tense. The future is not a surprise to God. Our future is in his hands and he is faithful to his promises. And I had such a strong sense when preparing today that for those of us listening and and hearing this message, thinking about this passage, that there's the call again to remember and hold on to what God has promised and to trust that our future is in his hands. He loves us and he wants to put his hope and his light in our hearts again as we wait for him. So this down-to-earth promise gives meaning to our waiting, but it also gives meaning to our mission. The Christmas story can be so joyful for us as Christians, but it's also an incredible story to share. This is the time of year when we can shout loud and clear, the wait is over, Jesus is here, the promise has been fulfilled, he comes, he comes and he gives hope to all people. Light is a familiar Christmas image, but these images used of Jesus and his people way before he was born here in Isaiah 9 verse 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Walking here means living. So when Isaiah says the people are walking in darkness, he means that the people were living their lives in the dark, but... They've seen a great light. There is light and hope for all people, for us, us here, those of us who are here today who know and trust and love the Jesus in this story, those of us here who aren't sure, but everybody in our towns, in our communities, our neighbours, a light will dawn. There is light and hope for all who are in the darkness. Last weekend was a really special one for us as a church family. Thank you uh, to all those of you who were here at any of those three special services that we had over Saturday and Sunday. It was a good time, wasn't it? A really, really good weekend. Saturday was my commissioning service as the team leader. Thank you for those of you who helped make that happen, particularly the cake makers. Goodness me, I've never seen anything quite like it. There was so much cake on the Saturday that we brought it out again on the Sunday morning and we brought it out again on the Sunday evening and people were still taking cake home again on Sunday night after the evening service. CBC never disappoints on the cake front. Uh, Well done. Really thank you for those of you involved in that. But on the Sunday, we celebrated our 70th anniversary as a church. We watched a little montage, five minutes telling the story of the life of of the church. It's on our blog if you wanted to go and catch up with it. Uh, It was really, really great to see. And it was brilliant having Ken Benjamin, our previous senior minister speaking, who left 18 months ago. He was so helpful in helping us look back with thankfulness, but taking that thankfulness and moving us forward in mission. And I was particularly struck by something he said about our values. He said, values are eternal, vehicles are for a season. The values that we hold dear, they should always be at the forefront of what we do. He talked especially 
particularly about the values he saw in the heritage of the church, of vision, confidence, kindness and encouragement. We can be so grateful for the heritage that our church is built on in those values here at CBC. We should hold on to those tightly and take them forwards. But the vehicles, he said, the way that we do things, the models we use, the events we plan, the shape that we are, will change according to the need, according to the mission, according to what God says as he writes the next chapter in the life of our church. And as we look to Christmas time and declare this good news, and as we look to 2022, we will be looking to God for what he wants to do in our church and in our community and how he wants us to do it, holding on to our values tightly for dear life and being flexible and open about what post-COVID church life is like. The landscape has changed, but the down-to-earth promise of hope doesn't. And we can trust him to help us know what mission and community looks like from here. So grateful to you for being part of this church. For those of you who consider this to be your home, thank you for your commitment to us. There is, there's work to do. There is mission to join in with. There's family here to belong to. And let's be praying about what that looks like going forwards. As we continue to navigate the ongoing uncertainty, we need each other. I need you. We need each other. And we can trust God together. A down-to-earth promise gives meaning to our waiting. It gives meaning to our mission. And in this Advent season, we remember again that those who walk in darkness can know the light and life of God. Every single person's hopes can be fulfilled in Jesus. So let's pray that this promise of the coming of Jesus gives us courage in our own personal times of waiting and that it might give us confidence too as we look to share his good news and be partners with him in his mission. Because we pray about some of that, wouldn't it? Perhaps Calvin and the band want to come back. In a moment, we'll sing a song to close our service which really helpfully picks up this theme of God's hope in our waiting and his light in our lives why don't you stand if you'd like to sometimes standing helps a kind of posture of openness and of receiving and receptivity and action and uh, maybe the band will start to play this song we're going to sing in a moment but we'll just give ourselves a moment just to respond to what God is saying to us today the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. What are you waiting for? Just encourage you to bring your own personal hopes, the things that you are waiting and longing for, the things you are anxious and worried about, to the Lord, the one who comes to us. What is this season if it is not about remembering a king who comes? we say come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit Jesus we pray for your presence to give us hope in our hearts today would you help us to know that there is meaning in our waiting meaning in the mission you've given us. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus.
we receive from you today.